Welcome to the Love Seats Comedy Podcast. I am your host, Darcy Silver. In this podcast, we're going to make me funny. That's right. We are going to explore the world of comedy in an attempt for me to get on stage to perform my first stand-up comedy set. UNLV and the Board of Regents are not associated with this podcast in any way, and the material may not be appropriate for all audiences. Listen at your own discretion and enjoy the show. Oh, yes, and welcome back to the Love Seats Comedy Podcast. This is Darcy Silver. Unfortunately, I'm still not funny, but I have a wonderful guest with me, and she is funny. Please welcome Esther Steinberg. Hi, where's my dubstep? Um, Esther Steinberg, I'm funny. I'm going to do dubstep for you. I do a dub, no. Let's hear it. I think like dubstep has to like be like soft and then like... I don't know. The mic drop. But yeah, you had, dub- yeah, the- I thought the whole- it wasn't going to stop. <laughs> I wanted it to keep going. Yeah. You know, I just replay that, you know, to go to bed every day. That's how I like to be introduced all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Esther Steinberg. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Esther is in the building. Yeah, that's good. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I had the opportunity to watch you perform stand up comedy and I loved it. At a very specific location and event. So that wasn't your normal style? Absolutely not. Oh, style, yes. Okay. Set, no. I did a very specialized. Yeah. I am willing to read the room to tailor my jokes for the people inside of that room. Some comedians are not. They say, this is me. Take it or leave it. But I changed. I didn't change my act. I just sifted through the Rolodex of jokes to find the 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 perfect one for uh, Viva Oi Vegas. Viva Oi Vegas. That's right. Viva I was like, Oi Vegas. There's a vibe here and I'm not going to like bring it to a different place yeah. with my jokes. I'm going to keep keep the vibe going with lots and lots of Jewish jokes. Yeah. That was my job. Yeah. And I want more Jewish jokes. You did a really great job of it. Thank you. you. Know? I'm working on more and more. And it's really tough for me to write Jewish jokes. Well, they come to me. But then when I'm like, let me test it out. Where am I supposed to test it out? And I've literally offered myself to like Chabad, Shabbat dinners to be like, can I do five minutes of extremely kosher jokes? I'm trying to develop an entire hour of just Jewish jokes and peddle it around the the circuit. Yeah. I do a lot of clubs here. Very different act. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's hard to be clean in a very kosher Jewish setting. I think. Yeah, but whether clean or not clean, I can't do a joke. Like I had a joke that I, my son's name is Kinahora, mm-hmm. or my in-laws call him Kinahora. It's a funny joke because Jews might know that's like a superstitious word off the evil eye way to say they won't even say baby. They you know, but in. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel's comedy club by the link in yeah. Las Vegas. They're not going to get it. They're not going to know. Don't even try. Saying. Yeah. Don't even. That is a ridiculous ask. Yeah. <laughs> to look at that crowd from every walk of life. Hey, will you just laugh at this joke that you don't get? Like, yeah. they're not going to like it. <laughs> You'll hear the crickets. Yeah. You know? So it's like changing my act isn't just like. Well, here's what I do for them, but here's what I do for them. And this is really dirty and this is really clean. It's like, well, there's places that don't get any kind of version of a Jewish joke, but they want to hear you make fun. of. Like, it's it, it's it's strange. And every room is going to want different things. Yeah. 
So you're in the like minute or two just gazing at the audience. Uh-huh. And then you're no, like, no, oh, no. I'm going to have to change it up. Or literally as you're going, no, you're like, days just... before okay. the event, I am allowing, I have a note going, which is just my Viva Oi Vegas jokes. Yeah. And out of the blue, I'll be sitting on the couch folding laundry. I don't fold laundry. My husband does. But <laughs> doing something, I don't sit on the couch. I'm doing dishes. And I'm like, oh, I have that funny joke that's really Jewish. That's going to do well. And I add it to my little set list that's on my phone. And then I start to like craft it. And like I walked in and I was supposed to do five minutes. Then they were going to do a bunch of sad Jewish songs. And then I was going to go up and do another five minutes. I walk in and they go, so you're not doing that. You're just going to do like instead of the five and the five, we'll just do one set. And someone goes, 10 minutes? And she goes, eight. And I was like, well, you already cut my time. <laughs> and I and you so didn't I, even go on yet. So I walk into the building and they're giving me completely different directions than they said. But that's part of being a comedian. You got to go be the off the toe. Like, yeah, it's everything. And half of it could be off the cuff and things like that. But I, this particular thing, I was like, I'm going to give them some, some jokes that are Jewish, that are clean, that would work for a Vegas audience. Yeah. And and it's just a prediction because it could have gone south. Mm-hmm. So, it was a, but I'm glad that you got to see that set, and hopefully, it grows into. I'm doing a Jewish gig in February in Denver, and I was hired to fly to Denver and entertain a big gala. And that's when there's they had that I need to do well. Yeah, it'll be a very white room because in in Colorado in February, you know, all the snow. Yeah, not. It's just going to blizzard in there. I hope not. It'll be, oh, yeah, fe- uh, yeah. I don't even want to think about it. February in Denver should be. And you're from New York, so you wanted to get away from, well, from that I am, crappy I weather. Reinvented myself as a New Yorker. I grew up in Tampa, Florida, and when I and I, my life, I like prayed and hoped and dreamed of being a New Yorker and like living yeah. in New York, just idolizing the idea of New York and being yeah. like, I need to get out of Florida. This place is yeah. Florida has a different type of white snow powder. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I'm from Tampa, so it's a football town, and it's a uh, beer town, and I just was like. I want to learn about theater and Broadway and get me out of there. Go to Carnegie Deli. And <laughs> I just had hopes and dreams of something very different than Tampa. Yeah. So I went to school. I went to college. That's how I like that was my escape plan. So I went to NYU. And then after that, I went to LA. And now I'm here. Yeah. The, the, the sad part about New York is that they say it's the city that never sleeps. Uh, but, you know, by 2 a.m., the bars close. The, Subways close, everything's closed down. Yeah. I came to Las Vegas for a Super Bowl party. I was living in New York and I moved a week later because Vegas is the city that never sleeps. Oh yeah. Yeah. Alcohol flowing twenty four seven. Casinos yes. open twenty four seven. The strip for sure. Yeah. All the rest about... around it, you know. Yeah. Is there anywhere else? No. Everyone just lives on the strip. That's what everyone believes. I don't know, man. I'm in like the sleepiest suburb. I everyone goes to bed at like 7 p.m. I think oh, I'm no. in Summerlin. I mean, I chose it. I chose that. No, they're life. just all at work. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that's when they're working. So, tell me about your journey in comedy. Were you always desiring to perform? Did you create your own persona? How have you developed yourself as a comedian? 
I started when I was 16. I took a little comedy class. I really love stand-up. My dad totally brainwashed me. He had done stand-up in the 80s, and he owned a comedy club in the 80s that was ended up closing down, and then he he tried a bunch of stuff. He ended up being a lawyer, and he even went, went out to California to try it out, and it didn't work. He got married, had three kids, and then... And now I've allowed him to do a little bit of stand-up as I have grown. He's your, war- he's your warm-up act? I've had him do some warm-up for me, and I've put him on a show or two. And it's so funny. He'll, like, get, like, excited. And I'm like, here's five minutes. And he'll be like, not ten. And then he'll do it. And then after three minutes, he got off stage. I go, you had two more minutes. Get back up there. Yeah. What do you say? It's so funny when someone's like, let me do 10 minutes, let me do 15, let me do 20. And then after two and a half minutes, they're like, um, that's, thank you so much. And I'm like, that is not your time. Yeah. I, I had learned a very valuable lesson in the two performances that I had done for this UNLV comedy week is that you have to have the right pace. You have to have the right posture and stance. You have to have big peepees. Okay. The peepees, the the posture. I don't. Ha- oh, I I was going to say I don't. I don't have any of that <laughs> or anything else. Um, that's so fun. Um, you need to have. Um, I I, I it, yeah. You know. I think it's different for everyone and whatever works for you. I I don't think posture matter. Who cares? In fact, a good posture is probably a. You know, people want to feel like, oh, that's me up there, right? I don't know. I don't pay attention. Maybe I should. I feel like that's like t- acting class. Right? You're on stage. It's, you are it's on stage. A show. Yep. You're it's not just... like this, reading, you know, the note cards the whole time. You got to, you know, engage and, you know, Sometimes come out there I'll, all big um, and welcome. I'll put on under eye concealer because I've got like terrible dark circles. I'm always tired. And then I have like Ashkenazi dark circles <laughs> that are genetic, but... Believe me, the med spas have told me there's lots and lots of money I can spend on trying to reverse yeah. my dark circles. Sign up for this so, s- yeah. for subscription. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, let me put on this concealer. Let me put on some mascara. And then I'm thinking to myself, um, Louis C.K. is the most successful comedian. Like, what? I'm putting a mascara. Like, on what planet does it matter? And I don't know why, but I'm like, I must look pretty or hide my under eye bags <laughs> and it's like well i don't know like dave attell is doing great and he's got plenty of under eye bag yeah but maybe it's different because i'm a woman so you just like want to put on that like makeup mask but i do think it's funny it's like take a look at the most successful comedians they're not polished they don't look good at all yeah I, I mean, they're not. They have the face They've for radio. Got, yeah. Uh, and they're on television. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's face for radio, but they made it yeah. onto Netflix. Because they're funny looking, too. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Is Chappelle funny looking? Uh, he used to be funnier looking, and then he kind of got yeah. jacked. And th- I don't know. Now he kind of, I don't know. Well, that's probably like, you know, the posturing and, you know, how you do the facial expressions and. You like, know. like Chris Rock? Yeah. You know, um, who did I see? Jeff Ross. Yeah. You know, who again, you know, uh, you know, not the most pretty. He ain't winning an, an, a beauty pageant anytime soon. I think he's beautiful. He just soon. needs a little under eye concealer. <laughs> if you just touch up that under eye. <laughs> 
I, I think he already had it on. You How know? was Jeff? Uh, he was good, you know. He made fun of my appearance. Uh, Perfect. You know, but but the lady that he said had big balls was, you know, the showstopper. Okay, okay. <laughs> it was a, a classic roast, you know. You haven't made it until you've been roasted by Jeff Ross. And I have been roasted by Jeff Ross. Okay, there you but go. But he, he, he's very sweet to me. He's, I think, a slightly more gentle. I feel like I'm too, way too sensitive for a roast. And I've done a boast. What's a boast? It's the opposite of a roast. You make fun of someone in an extremely complimentary way. An example would be? I was boasting my husband, and I said, Noah's so cool, black guys try to dress like him. Oh, that's a pretty good boast. Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I lost 20 pounds and I was told I lost 100. Is that another one? Mm, no. You kind of want to bring in an analogy okay. or like some some kind of racial. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> if you can just tweak it to be more, you know, uh, bring some other element in. I think that's what the basis of comedy is like. Here's an observation. I'm going to relate it to this. It's like, I woke up this morning and felt like, uh, and then you have to relate. It's like how mermaids swim in the ocean. You're like, wait, like it's an atrocious example. You but, need to have an analogy and yeah. that analogy can't, the further away it is, is the funnier or you want to, you know, Line it up nicely. Do you start with a punchline and go backwards? Hmm. No. I think I start with a concept. So I don't have a great joke for this, but it is something I'm developing. I once had a joke about I was in New York City and they do a Santa crawl where everyone dresses up as Santa and gets shwasted and go bar to bar. I didn't – I wasn't participating – I was just trying to get a bagel, trying to get a coffee, and I'm walking down the street and everyone is like drunk in Santa outfits. Lots and like an insane amount of people. And I thought to myself, oh, this is a funny joke. Like imagine being a kid and finding out that Santa Claus is not real because of the Santa Claus pub crawl. And mm -hmm. like some Santa like barfing on the street and being like, mommy, you know, yeah. <laughs> what's going on? But I don't know. Not funny either. <laughs> but 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 holiday, you know, maybe it's just too much in my mind. Yeah. I heard, I heard Santa is Jewish. He, he, he goes to the shul. He's the rabbi of it. You know, he wears his red you know, coat and, you know, he has instead of a strimal, <laughs> I am you not know, it's a, signing a off cap. on this. <laughs> And then all the people that get the chocolates from him after. Does he have chocolate? Yeah, they they're made in his image. <laughs> okay, last time I checked, you're supposed to put the cookies down, and then Santa comes and eats the cookies. But it's really just someone's fat dad. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, maybe they they have to make sure they're gluten free these days because Santa went on a diet. There you he go. Found out, you well, know. no, now he's Jewish again because he's got celiac and his stomach issues yeah. if he's gluten-free. His doctor, you know, the other rabbi. <laughs> so in terms of comedy, right, have you developed a persona? I've, well, I've, I've learned from talking to all these other comedians here, you have to have your shtick. You have to have, you know, what makes you, you know. Maybe I'm doing it wrong because I don't think I have a shtick. However, instead of digging, I like, 
I'd like to say that like you want to dig or dig deep in you as opposed to like going outside yourself and looking around for things to put on you. So getting emotionally naked as opposed to a bunch of costumes, Mm -hmm. I would say is a better version. I also think like ignore the audience, ignore what people want, ignore it all. Be the funny person that you want to be and that you think is funny. If you're starting and already like, what will they like? I think that's a disaster because you just have to be like, this is what makes me laugh. I start, I think starting with an emotion is good. What is your pet peeve? What ticks you off? You have to actually not like this thing and it actually has to get you going then from there, you might be able to write a joke about it. But now you're talking about something authentic. If like I talk about my dad making inappropriate jokes and making me very angry and frustrated. It is such a genuine emotion that I'm so insanely frustrated by my annoying father who makes awful jokes. I can't even if you catch me on a random day, I am complaining about this. So that is an appropriate thing to bring on stage that feels authentic. So I'm always looking for authenticity. There might be someone who has a really good shtick who can give you all kinds of advice of like, poke up your eyebrows, squint your nose, use your accent, and get weird with the audience and pull out a bunny. I don't know. That sounds insane. I I don't want to see that. I don't even want to. Yeah, I have to think like, who's my favorite comedian? What is their shtick? And hopefully it's like they are themselves and just a louder, bigger version, but sometimes a smaller, more. It's like I'm like, be loud and big. It's like, no, because there's a guy, Ron Funches, who's very funny and he's not loud and he's not big and he's just kind of slow pace, kind of soft, hysterical. I'm like, there's no one way to do it, but find the things that really fuel you emotionally whether it's like I love this thing or I hate this thing or I'm scared of this that's a great place to start you, you reminded me when you performed of uh the show Marvelous Mrs. Mabel are you familiar with it Marvelous Mrs. Maisel Maisel on Amazon Prime okay there you go yes my bad <laughs> okay Marvelous Mrs. Maisel yeah yeah they didn't say it right on the show either they said miss so, you know, maybe that was I'm not the Amazon else. Prime police. <laughs> Excuse me, me. Oh, I'm from Amazon Prime and you have mispronounced our name. Like, I don't know. I don't. It's Marvelous Mrs. Maisel starring Rachel Brosnahan. So you came with that energy that you were just boom, ready to go. Which is I, awesome. Uh, I wasn't given enough. I was given ex- ex- approximately five to eight minutes to express my talents and hopefully pick up some gigs in the room. I mean- You made it this far, so it's working. (laughs) So I really had to give them the goods right up top. I don't like to chit chat and ease into it because I feel like I always have to prove to everyone. I looked, I was in a black sparkly dress. I was in Doc Martens and I had to tell the audience of- Boomers and up. I'm not here to mess around. I'm going to talk. You're going to laugh. Let's go. Yeah. I want to get them right away. We're in a rhythm. I think the one of the most annoying things, uh, do whatever you want with comedy, whoever's listening. I don't care what you do. 
personally, I find it really annoying when everyone's when when it's like chit chat, chit chat. Anyways, okay, uh, my day, my car, my head. Now I'm gonna tell a joke. How about cut that stuff? Tell a joke. Yeah. No one. This is not a podcast when you're on stage telling jokes. Yeah. And even if it is a podcast, cut that too. No. Um, Yeah, you're not writing a novel. You're just as quick as possible. Yeah. You're setting it up. As fast as you can set it it up. So I asked the audience, I asked them, tell me some of these pet peeves. Tell tell me some things that, you know, are are bothering, you know, you. And this is what some people said. Let me know if if you think this is, you know. Okay, I love peeves. Boxes inside boxes. Wasteful. Right. Uh, play uh, Standing in line. Why do we need Awful. to do that? I hate it. Oh, right? in fact, that reminds me of one of the things. I was at the Rio performing, brag. They have a comedy cellar in the Rio. So I was performing at the comedy cellar in the gorgeous Rio. And it was just recently remodeled in 1962. It's stunning. And um, I'm joking. It's a dump. I so, think it's about to be imploded. Yeah. what I heard. Um, so, so I'm there and I go to get a Starbucks in the morning because that's the coffee that um, Jews drink. I'm joking. That is the coffee that I that was available. The line was so long. Insanely long. Yeah. And it was taking so long. When there's a long line in New York, boom, 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 boom. You just get to it. When there's a line, for whatever reason, at the Rio, it was just like the line's long and it's not moving whatsoever. It was my peeve. I just went nuts. Yeah. And I was investigating because I'm not just going to stand there passively. I'm like, what actually is going on back there? Here's what was going on. They were making milkshakes, frappuccino, java chip, blah, blah, blah. blah. And I'm over there like my head is pounding and I need a coffee, a black coffee. I don't care. A coffee with milk and cream, sugar. I don't care. And I was like, here's what they need to do for Starbucks. And this is the most brilliant thing. And I came up with it myself. I'm a solutions person. One line for frappuccino, mochaccino, whatevs. And one line for people who need coffee. Yeah. The fast pass. Coffee? Here you go. Coffee? (laughs) Here you go. You want your Java chip mocha frappuccino light? That's going to be a half hour. And I'm going to move over to the blender and we're going to blend this up for you. But how dare you open up a coffee shop and make me wait? seven hours for a cup of coffee while you're making milkshakes. Yeah. Yeah. They have a a Starbucks here on campus Uh and the line goes out the building basically. Mm -hmm. And so I said, you know, I got to do something about this. And I tried to, you know, come on, you got to help me out. You know, I'm going to give you a thumbs up and you're going to make my drink right away and hand it to me. How did that go? They did it until they didn't do it. Okay. So I thought you were going to say, here's, we went in and got a big, giant box, coffee box thing, a box inside of a box, inside of a box of coffee. And then you pour it for like your friends. Yeah. No, there you go. What they said is is order it on Grubhub <laughs> and have it delivered. Well, there you go. That Then now you can avoid lines. <laughs> and then I pulled up Grubhub and it wasn't there. Wow. Yeah. They That's just, a they, peeve. They didn't want me to order my coffee. You know, okay. They said, wait in line for 40 minutes, miss class. You don't All need right. coffee. What about class? Yeah. I don't miss going to class. Oh, yeah. 
class is amazing. You know, the things that they teach you here in itself is uh, a set of comedy, you know, for oh, yeah? for the ages. I I was I was so into like making good grades and turning in a good paper. I was yeah. so in it to win it. Yeah. And I yeah, I don't know if anyone's ever looked at my grades in my entire life. Like I don't know. Sure. Yeah. I'm not sure anyone's asked to see my diploma or my grades. <laughs> well, as a comedian, if you have those things, I think you get cut from, you know the cool kid the, table. The list of people that can perform, you know. You got bumped tonight because you're too smart for this audience. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I wonder if I yeah, I don't no one wants to hear about my GPA. <laughs> it's not funny. So tell us a joke. Yeah. I'm putting you on the spot. So interesting. Um, usually people don't like it when they get put on the spot to tell a joke, but I'm different. I, uh, I'm i okay with it, but it's a bit uncomfortable when people say that. Uh, I will say that sometimes I'll interact with guys and they'll just launch a joke at me and then I'll say nothing and then they'll say, hello, you're a comedian. You're supposed to laugh. I'm telling a joke. And then I have to say, right, I get paid to tell jokes and not laugh at jokes. And I barely get paid to do that. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. That's a joke. I've never told that on stage. (laughs) But the first, my, mm, yeah, no, I don't know. My dad wrote my first joke. What was it? That. My parents don't care what I do as long as I'm happy and I marry someone rich and Jewish. I'm kidding. They don't care if I'm happy. That was my dad. (laughs) It's a weird joke. It's perfect if you're 16 and living in Florida. Yeah. It was really good back then. It had the misdirection. It had the punchline. Sure. At the end. It was a great structured joke. Yeah. I'm still, I'm always writing joke ideas and weird ideas and. Any advice for someone that's learning comedy? Don't stop believing. Um, You need to get up and perform. So if you want to have really big, strong muscles, you have to go to the gym, period. You're not going to make shortcuts. You're not going to wake up with big muscles. Maybe. I don't know how drugs and steroids work. But if you're without any supplements, there's no steroids for comedy. I'll just say that. So go to the gym and work it out and don't do it at like dinner with your with a your date on hinge. Don't do it at Thanksgiving. That's not the place to try out your material. In fact, if your dad and mom and grandpa laugh at your joke, that's not a good joke. You need to be at a place that people are anticipating you telling jokes, right? And then um tell it and they will be honest with you. It's the most incredible thing. You get feedback right away. So someone will let you know if you're funny and what joke works and what joke doesn't because there's so many open mics and so many places to go. So that's that's all you can do. But I have a notebook in my phone. I write down – I try to write down everything. You never know what's going to be funny or what's going to inspire you. Today you might write something down funny, but you're like, I hate it. Two weeks from now you go to your phone, you're looking, and you start laughing. Because you've completely forgot about it and now you're, oh my God, this was a good idea. So I say do a lot of note taking, go out and do open mics, 
Are you doing open mics? I I have not yet. I need to. Yeah. That's like before you run a marathon, you should see if you can run one mile. Yeah. I wrote a bunch of jokes and it turns out I was high. I thought I was funny, but, you know, it was the drugs. Okay. There you go. So no steroid. There (laughs) is no steroid. No. That is funny. Yeah. Drugs don't help you with comedy. They help you after a bad set. (laughs) (laughs) They help you numb, maybe numb the pain, but not really writing. Yeah, you can. um, There's no there's no advice. It's it's terrible. I don't recommend it. Has anyone gone on here and said, don't don't do drugs, don't do comedy. Oh, don't do comedy. Um, uh, No, you know, they're all here because they love comedy. Uh, You know, it's important to make people laugh and I love that, it, but it's kind of like a boxer. You know, you you might love boxing, but you're gonna get knocked down a lot and yeah. and roughed up. Yeah, and things aren't gonna go the way you want them to sometimes. So maybe a job that's better suited for stability and happiness. It's a little bit. It's not really quite conducive for happiness. I am thrilled. I love doing comedy, but I've supplemented it with other things and writing and having friendships and family. And I've worked really hard on separating my self-worth with my comedy. (laughs) So that's an important thing. It's whether strangers laugh at you or not, that's excellent. That's great. But like if someone's working at the bank, they're not like, I mean, maybe maybe some people's all their self-worth is like exactly their productivity and what they did that day. But I, I'd like to think that it's a terrible job and no one should do it. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, uh, we look forward to continue to see you perform here in what Las Vegas. What about you? When are you going to perform? And we, I'll, warm, I'll give you a warm-up set sometime and, uh, you know, really get the bar low. You know, like, uh, uh, what's that game called? <laughs> How low can you go? <laughs> limbo. Yeah. Low, the limbo. It'll you know, be We're going to set the bar Com- very low so Comedy that when you get on fun. there, you know, you're going to blow them away. It's a love fest. It's amazing. Once you get people laughing, it's very addictive to feel that. Yeah. So that that's what keeps everyone going, I think. But yeah. you got to get on stage. Got to do it. Because you can't talk about it. Yeah. You got to just do it. Yeah. That's the best. Rip the band-aid off and go. Yep. Well, I did perform a couple times on stage and you know, my my comedy? mom my mom was very, you know, happy. You performed stand up <laughs> comedy on stage? Yeah. Oh, so you did. But not an open mic night. Oh You're well right, yeah. To test but... out new material and you know, bomb on hey, stage. Hey, if you can skip the open mics, then yeah. just go straight to Shabbat dinner. Yeah, we'll just headline, you know. <laughs> Sold out. <laughs> That's I'm the actually, name of it. I've been trying to We're get sold into out. like small niche. That's the best. Yeah. I, I, I do. Some people say they do clubs and colleges. I do coffee shops and breakfast tables. Yeah. And if you, you know, make it maybe, you know, a podcast like this one. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And we look forward to continuing to learn comedy. Thank you. And good night. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Love Seats Comedy Podcast. You can follow this glorious podcast at unlv.edu forward slash KUNV forward slash podcast and Love Seats on social media at Love Seats and Real Love Seats. And that's L-U-V-S-E-A-T-S, all one word. You've been a lovely audience. Until next time, share the love. Love.